Welcome to Locked On NFL, your daily podcast on the National Football League on the number one daily sports podcast network alongside the scout Matt Williamson. I am Brian Peacock. You can find this podcast on all of your favorite podcast apps, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. You can find me on Twitter at BD Peacock. Matt is a must follow at Williamson NFL. Feel free to hit us up with questions there. We might have time for a little Twitter Thursday this week get into a couple of questions, but we do have some special guests coming up this week. We have Jay Soderberg, a.k.a. Pod Vader. We're going to talk Patriots, talk all things NFL with him Wednesday, and then Thursday we've got the host of Locked On Titans, Tyler Rowland, joining the show. Uh, the Titans a very interesting team right now into the playoffs. They've knocked on one, knocked off one giant. Can they do it again this coming weekend? But today's show is all about coaches, the NFL coaching carousel, a bunch of new hires, a flurry of new hires here. Only one open job remains, Matt. Uh, I don't know which one you want to start with. I think we should go to Dallas because last we checked in on Dallas, Jason Garrett was in limbo, and I'm still not sure if he's completely left the building. It feels like he's still got an office there at the Star. Yeah, it is a little crazy, although he was a, just announced the offensive coordinator, I think, for the Giants which shocked me a little bit, too. We'll talk Giants down the road. Oh, I missed that one. Okay. That's yeah, that it. one just came across like 10 minutes ago. Oh, wow. I think that's official, but I'm going to act like it is. Um, it apparently was a – I guess the Joneses and Garrett go back to being Aikman's you know, backup, and he's a great guy, and he's super smart and um, very likable, and that was a hard breakup. But it had to happen. So yeah, I'm glad that the Cowboys made the right decision. I think the McCarthy hire is a good one, but it kind of reminds me of the Rivera hire in that are these guys going to be tier one head coaches? No. Are they tier two guys? Maybe. But they're experienced. They're the adult in the room. They understand how it all works. They've won a lot of games. They aren't master schemers or anything like that, but they're quality hires. I often call moves like this, it's a leadoff double. You know, I mean, it's not a home run. He didn't strike out. It's fine. Do you see the piece, I think it was on ESPN, that showed McCarthy and his little coaching group that was trying to maybe better himself, learn a little bit in the off season, and apparently maybe some analytics creeping into his brain a little bit and what he was going through as uh, a coach that was taking a year off from head coaching and definitely had an eye on getting a new job. Did you see that piece? I didn't, but I heard, I've heard it referenced before. So I'm aware that it's out there. I didn't read the piece. I'm happy to hear that, though, because – I was going to mention this down the down the line a little bit here too because last we saw McCarthy was 2018 and they were right at the top of the league in passing percentage like they and generally the analytics community will always tell you passing's more efficient better than running yada 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 but it was too much I mean like the, the percentages were too high they went overboard with it and they had Aaron Rodgers obviously but he ended up getting fired that that year and didn't quite work out. And they really ha where I'm going with this is he hasn't really had a bell cow stud back in Green Bay. I mean, maybe Eddie Lacy had some of those qualities early on, 
But I'm hoping, and I imagine he won't do this, and I'm sure it's been discussed with the Joneses, but let's not forget about Zeke is where I'm going with this. And Zeke is a really good passing down back, and it's interesting that you bring this up. And the way the NFL is going, the only three teams in the NFL that ran the ball more than they passed the ball are all still alive in the playoffs. And two of them are playing against each other this weekend in the 49ers and Vikings, and the other team is... The Baltimore Ravens, Baltimore, yeah, obviously, right. Baltimore plays a unique brand of football right now for uh, what the NFL does as a whole. And a lot of how often you run the ball means you had some leads and you're probably OK at running the ball. But you also had some leads to sit on. And, you know, there's always there's the stat that analytics people and, and I also hate it talking about, you know, if you get 100, if your running back has 100 yards, you win the game. It's like, yeah, well, that's not. The, you know, the correlation uh, isn't causation there with that. But running the ball is still very... If you're very, down 17 and you right. just keep feeding the guy until he gets to 100, <laughs> you don't win. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's If you could run the ball really well, you don't have to do anything else, and it's game over. Uh, not many teams can do it to that degree, but there's been a few games I've seen with the Ravens this year, with the 49ers, where that was pretty much the case. It was ball game because they were just crushing teams on the ground. You don't even have to go to the pass at that point. Makes things really easy. And running the football is important, though, because it sets up so much in your offense and play-action passing, and those teams are really good at play-action passing and keeping teams honest. It slows down the pass rush. So it's not that running the ball isn't important anymore. It still is very important, but it's definitely a passing league, and we'll see what Mike McCarthy is able to do there. Utilize Zeke in the passing game, too, because running backs in the passing game is a dynamic weapon right now around the NFL. If you don't throw your ball to the running back a lot, I don't know what you're even doing and and to me if you're drafting a running back you better be drafting a guy who's good in the passing game and Zeke is good in the passing game he he was a great receiver coming out of Ohio State and maybe he'll get utilized more in that way but I think uh, they feel like at eight and eight the Cowboys massively underachieved and I feel like they did too and if you look at DVOA the Cowboys were I think top five in the league this year in DVOA offensively. They were. Yeah, Yeah. and they they weren't able to win more than eight games. So something's wrong there. Too much talent. We'll see if a veteran head coach hire is the way to go there. And I'm interested to see uh, Dak under Mike McCarthy as well. Yeah, a lot of nuggets there I want to talk about too is, first of all, the analytics community. I'm I'm excited for some of their their studies this offseason because – my hunch is it's good. It's going to sway a little bit more back towards, hey, maybe running the ball isn't obsolete. Maybe it isn't just pass, 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 pass. And these teams aren't dinosaurs that run the ball. And it brings me back to the Patriots' success. You know, I mean, it was always you never had an answer for the Patriots' offense when they had Gronk and they had guys around Brady in his prime because. If you came out in heavy personnel, they split you out wide and through. If you came out in light personnel, Gronk and Devlin are pounding you and you're and you're trying to stop the run. And I think some of that's very true for these successful running teams in that teams are going so light on defense, maybe running the ball is more efficient now than we thought two years ago in the analytics community. So I'm just real interested and open to the idea that these things are citru- – you know, uh, uh, citrical that's not the right word cyclical, cyclical. <laughs> yeah you know where i'm going with this no. but things, the things come back to where they were a lot in this game and we're not reinventing the wheel um so i am real interested to see that and also to your point too it sure helps to run the ball when you're good to begin with and you have leads and running the ball can get you a lead but it also 
puts teams away and can inflate those numbers. So there's a chicken and egg concept there. However, you know, one of my favorite analytics guys is Warren Sharp. And we're going to get him back on the show. He was on last year, I think. I'm going to definitely get in touch with him in yes, the offseason. Let's do that. But he, he has great proof that the most efficient play in football is throwing to your running backs on first down. You know, first and 10, predictable coverages, make it a long handoff to a guy who's great carrying the ball. But instead of handing it to him a couple yards behind the line of scrimmage, you get it to him three yards past the line of scrimmage. And there's less huge people in his way. That makes perfect sense. Which leads me... To the number one thing that I've been critical of the Garrett Cowboys, like you said, the beauty of Ezekiel Elliott, anyone that remembered him coming out of Ohio State, awesome runner, but should you use that early of a pick on a running back? You know, uh, that that's, that's taboo. You can't take your top five pick on a running back. Well, Zeke's a little different because he's great in protection at Ohio State. He's a really good receiver. Okay, it's worth the pick. And not that they would be unhappy with him either way, but they never used him as a receiver nearly enough. Last year they started to. Last year he had more catches than his first two years combined. I'm like, okay, they finally got it after three years. Get this guy the ball in the manner I just described. And then they regressed again. It was still a great offense, but you paid him a gajillion dollars. He should have 80 catches a year. Saquon Barkley is another one because – I, and I'm definitely one of those people that's like, you don't draft right. a running back, maybe in the first round at all, definitely not in the top 10. But Saquon Barkley, the argument to me that somebody made that I would buy is that, you know what, not only is he the best running back in this class, he might be the best receiver in this class. And if you're not using that McCaffrey dynamic McCaffrey was weapon, too. Right, and, and McCaffrey's the same. So that's yeah. where the argument starts to make a lot of sense. But then still, it's like, you know, they're going to get pounded into the ground and how long is their career and can they even, you know, uh, make or earn their second contract because running backs get beat up and hurt so much. But and that's a, that's a, you know that's another story. But and we will talk about the Giants who also uh, made it higher here. But yeah, back to the Cowboys. I, I agree with you one hundred percent. And you had an interesting point there about the size of players and with the, all the decade retrospectives. I saw a lot of clips of old teams. The NFL for the first time maybe in its history is smaller right now than it was 10 years ago. Hmm. It's crazy. I couldn't believe yeah. how big everybody was and how much they were in base. And now you have hybrid linebacker safety cornerbacks that are all the, the rage around the NFL, and it's so important to be able to cover guys and teams that spread out, and, and linebackers are getting smaller, and even offensive linemen are getting smaller. Wide receivers, I think quickness over size is being prioritized with teams right now. So... You have an interesting point there because if it goes too far in that direction, all of a sudden you have a power team and you can run over people, that's going to be valuable. Yeah, I hadn't thought about it to that degree, but I'm sitting here thinking, I mean, you'll see 235-pound tight ends. I mean, you have a lot of little quarterbacks in the league. You have linebackers that were formerly safeties. That's very common now. And it's all about speed. It's all about range. It's all about versatility. It's basketball on grass. And I hear you. I mean, it's interesting. My, my son's 13, very into football. And I remember maybe three or four years ago, there was a special on the 85 Bears, and they showed Refrigerator Perry. And I'm like, he was the biggest, baddest dude. And my son looks at him and goes, he doesn't look that big. He looks like every other defensive lineman in the league. You know, like, <laughs> but there aren't many of those types either now. You know, for this day, the, the Williams wall. I mean, is there that 350-pound nose tackle like they're used to? Or a guard that's a fat guy that can't run. I mean, they're just, everybody can move. 
the nose tackles almost getting phased completely out of the NFL, fullbacks getting phased out of the NFL. Yeah, they're, they're definitely onto something there, and that's an interesting conversation. Uh, Matt, we've got to move on to some of these other jobs. The New yeah, York yeah. Giants, we mentioned, they have hired their new coach, as have the Carolina Panthers. Cleveland Browns still have an open job, and we'll get into those candidates coming up. We have covered the Ron Rivera hire for the Washington Redskins. We know who the Cowboys head man is now, and I'm going to need your help. There's a name that's been on the market for a long time and been rumored to be a guy that teams are interested in hiring as a head coach, and the Carolina Panthers have hired Matt Rule, who's a former Baylor head coach. What is the sexy appeal for Matt Rule? How come I've heard his name so much? I don't pay attention to Baylor football very much. Can you tell me about Matt Rule, why he's been a guy that's been on the minds of of owners and GMs around the league and why he got the hire in Carolina? Uh, not so much. <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> um, I mean, I can tell you more about him later in the week. I've seen this name brought up a million times. He's absolutely has been a hot name and it looked like he had his choice of jobs. He could turn people away. Um, very impressive human being from what I understand, up-and-comer. My worry for these guys, for sure, is uh, you're not playing in the Big 12 anymore. You know, I mean, it's schematically and building a team is extremely, extremely different than anyone making that jump. But that's not a knock on him. It's just any college guy turned pro is a bigger adjustment than I think people realize. Um, one thing I heard a really good interview on Daniel Jeremiah's podcast with him though, and he was very impressive and he was talking about team building and obviously, like I said, way different. You're not recruiting kids. You're not losing guys to Oklahoma and Texas. You just take your draft pick or your free agency, but a big model he used at Baylor was it was all about speed. I mean, at any position, kind of like we talked about you know, a minute ago about getting smaller, getting faster in the league, they just recruited every fast kid they possibly could, and they coached them up to be football players. And that was – I'm stealing his words, but that was basically, in a nutshell, what they did. So the great football players that were fast, well, they went to Oklahoma, they went to Bama. So he just took – one or the other. You could take the great football player that wasn't super fast or was limited. He took the super fast guys and turned them into players and had great success with it at Baylor. So I wonder when they are team building in Carolina, is it going to be very speed oriented or is it just a different approach because you have different cards in your hand and the, the poker game is much different. I will say by all accounts, Tepper, the the owner of the Panthers, really has a good head on his shoulders. Like, this guy is a big-time investor, really knows how to build things. So I'm going to kind of defer to him that whoever Carolina hired immediately was going to kind of get a red flag in the positive for me and kind of jump up the, the scale a little bit because I think they know what they're doing now. That's interesting because... This is very much a futures hire. It seems like you got you hire a yeah. player from the or a, a coach from the college ranks, and it's it's been notoriously not easy for college coaches to transition to the NFL. But when you say Big Twelve, I mean that's the spread them out conference, right? And you oh. sort of laid it out there. He, he's got speed, and he's got speed everywhere, and he's got. I remember watching a Corey. Um, Who's a wide receiver out of Baylor a few years ago, first rounder that's... Oh, Corey Coleman. Corey Coleman. Corey Coleman. I remember watching him before the draft, and I was blown away 
He literally just did not move. And it was coached. It wasn't because of Corey Coleman. He just stood there. If it was a running play, he conserved his energy and just stood there, watched the play happen. Next play, it's a passing play. He's running a passing route. And they went fast, and, and you can't go fast like you can. And Chip Kelly found this out. You can't just go all fast, all spread all the time in the NFL like you could in the college game because the clock won't allow you to do it. But this hire reminds me a lot of the Cardinals' Cliff Kingsbury hire. And we talked about the direction the league is going and spreading them out more and, and speed. And this is a hire in that direction. So very much a futures hire, I think, for David Tepper, seeing how the league is going, seeing the direction the league is going and trying to find a really smart coach from the college ranks that can maybe implement some of those things into the NFL game. And the other thing to me is it feels just like such a different coach. I think there was a study I saw where when you had a defensive minded coach, you went to an offensive guy the next time. If you had an old coach, you go young. If you had a young coach, uh, <laughs> right. there was an offensive guy, you went with an old defensive style coach. This is a very different coach and things are going to look a lot different in Carolina than uh, the Ron Rivera era. Yeah, well said. And like I said, I mentioned the 85 Bears earlier. Well, Ron Rivera was on that team and a tough guy, linebacker style. And we've talked about his hire in Washington. And this one is very different. You know, like you said, most guys, okay, I'm going to hire the 65-year-old. Next time I'm going to hire the 30-year-old. You know what I mean? Like you just do the opposite. The, the, the established guy or the up-and-comer, the offense versus the defense. I definitely think there is some of that. I think there is some – thinking along the lines of a Kingsbury. I, I'm going to do more homework to see what type of quarterback, what type of scheme he probably will employ at this level. I don't know those things, but I do think it's interesting. I mean, I'm I'm, I'm all eyes wide open to, to, to learn more about it and more about this fit. I, I like what I'm hearing so far. And the Panthers definitely found out that they don't have the heir apparent at quarterback on their current roster, and this hire would seem to me to think that this is very much the guys that are in-house. This is this is a coach for Cam Newton. This is a coach for Christian McCaffrey. I would think so. Again, I need to do more homework, but if it's anything similar to a Kingsbury or what we saw at Baylor, uh, Newton could certainly be the Kyler Murray and you draft that type, and McCaffrey would sure fit in well in Arizona or anywhere, really, but, I mean, in particular there. Um, one note, you mentioned Corey Coleman, and I just wanted to throw this out there too, is a lot of those receivers had a tough time translating the NFL, and Coleman's yeah. a perfect example. You mentioned that in the run game, they really just stood around. And to take it a step further, that was by design because they run so many routes. That's when they actually got their breather. But a guy like Coleman, he almost always aligned in the same spot. He only ran like three routes. <laughs> you know, they just – are that's real spread out. They have a lot of speed, but they don't have a whole you know varied route tree. I mean, it was a an interesting way of winning at the college level. I don't know if that'll translate to the NFL, and I'm curious to see how much he changes things up at the NFL level too. Right, and he's going to have to change that up. He's going to have you, to. You can't. Kingsbury found that out as the season went on. <laughs> right, it, he did. And and to Kingsbury's yeah. credit, he's smart and he did figure that stuff out. And so we'll see if Matt Rule can do the same. Okay, Matt, we've got another hire in New York, and we'll talk a little bit about the candidates in Cleveland next. Joe Judge, the 38-year-old Joe Judge, is the new head coach of the New York Giants. He was the Patriots wide receivers coach, and he's a name that I did not see a lot in coaching candidate circles. So here's another interesting one here, Matt. Uh, Joe Judge, what are the Giants getting in their new 38-year-old 
head coach. And he was mentored by Alabama coach Nick Saban, uh, obviously played or coached under Bill Belichick. So <laughs> I imagine he's sort of a new school, old school 38-year-old. Yeah, another one I need to do more work on. I mean, when that headline just came across, I went, wow, really? Ooh, okay. Yeah. You know, and he's 38, um, mentored by Saban and Belichick. We know Belichick and the Giants ownership group have a very good relationship, and it's always been rumored that he'd love to end his career as a Giants guy or, you know, come back to New York where he was such a good defensive coordinator. I'm sure he got the massive stamp of approval from Belichick, of course, and that goes a long way. I would assume this is that – I hate to bring it back to the Steelers, but it, boy, did it feel like a Steelers – Tomlin Cower hire that you hope lasts for 20 years young, give him a long leash to learn and become the long-term guy. Um, great pedigree and let them develop into an excellent long-term head coach. And that's really the giants way of doing things too. I mean, they're an old school organization. I mentioned their ownership. I mean, they're right there with the Roonies and some of these old school ways of doing business that I think that they look at him and say, you know, hopefully We'll have a long leash with them. Him and Daniel Jones will make beautiful music together. He was a quarterback coach. I think that's huge here. And they'll be our Brady Belichick, Tomlin Roethlisberger, Peyton Breeze for the next 100 years. The interesting part of this hire for the Giants to me is GM Dave Gettleman. Does Gettleman have time to allow a young coach to find his footing in the NFL if Jones and Judge don't hit the ground running in 2020. Does the GM have a job in two years as that marriage and, and as that offense matures? Yeah, I, I guess we'll see. <laughs> it's an interesting one, and that that could go a yeah. lot of directions. So uh, more Joe Judge. We'll research Joe Judge, and I'm sure there's a lot more to that. And we'll try to get uh, our hosts here on the network to that have done, I'm sure, that are knee-deep in learning about all these coaches and what these offenses and defenses might look like now in these new uh, cities with new coaches. We'll get into all that uh, in the coming weeks here on Locked On NFL. Really quick, let's talk about the Cleveland Browns, who do not have a head coach yet. The only team that has a current open head coaching job. Mike McCarthy was one of them, and it seemed like that's why the Cowboys had to move so quickly on McCarthy, because he was a candidate in Cleveland that leaves them with the interviewed candidates so far, Ravens offensive coordinator Greg Roman, 49ers defensive coordinator Robert Sala, Chiefs offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy, and Buffalo Bills OC Brian Dable. Those are the candidates right now in Cleveland. Do you like those candidates? Do you think someone like Kevin Stefanski, Josh McDaniels that will be interviewed will be the guys that get that job? It's kind of like just talking about the two guys that were hired it's hard for me to really break down assistance to head coaches. I mean, I think you more so than evaluating players. I think you need to know the men in order to do that properly. Um, none of those stand out as bad candidates. I would think McDaniels would be at the top of the list, but I would think he would want ultimate power and bring his GM with them, really be the, the Belichick of the organization. Um, what's interesting to me, though, is all of a sudden, maybe you didn't get your guy. Maybe you wanted McCarthy, whatever. Now, 
you're not competing against anybody. I mean, if you're smart and you're the Browns, which those two words haven't gone hand in hand all that often, <laughs> that maybe you sit back now and really take your time for the next week or so or see how the playoffs you know, play out and really get an extremely good feel for this hire and don't be hasty whatsoever with it. That makes a lot of sense. The only reason to maybe move quickly would be to secure the key coordinators that would come along with those coaches so they don't get snatched up by other teams. But I agree. You're the only team looking for a head coach now. And it's not like a team's going, or uh, it's not like one of these candidates is going to turn down the head coaching job that was already going to take it, right? So um, if they want a head coach in the NFL, it's going to be with the Cleveland Browns. And that's an issue. The only. The only defensive name was Robert Sala from the 49ers. Everybody else, offensive coordinators on this list. I don't know if that helps Sala or hurts his chances because there's fewer, uh, you know, fewer coaches competing for that job. But it's an interesting mm-hmm. one. It's different than the others, right? And they they have they have to have a marriage of GM head coach going on here as well. And it sounds like they're hiring coach before GM. So who would be the GMs that come along? Who would be the opposite coordinator? Uh, for these coaches, and who will they be able to bring from their old teams? It's a, it's an interesting conversation here with the Browns, and I kind of side with you. Take your time, figure this thing out, and watch how the playoffs. I mean, there's you know, there's no rush, and it, most of these guys can bring somebody from their at least one person from their old team, maybe, or, or mm-hmm. have some connections around the league that'll be able to fill those positions and, and have some good coordinators as well. So don't rush into this thing if you're the Browns. Get it right. You've had too many cha- coaching changes. Figure this thing out. Hire a guy that's going to be around for a while. I got to believe that uh, Josh McDaniels, once he is interviewed, it might move quickly. If it does move quickly, and he would be the guy. I would think he's the leader in the clubhouse, just from what you've heard up to this point. Um, still, who's to say? I mean, I would hope, and we say this almost every year, that they would take their time, pick the right guy finally. And then here's the key, though. It's kind of like Seinfeld. Like, taking the reservations, great. Keeping the reservations, the important thing, that hire the right guy and then be patient with him. You know, make your choice. Live with it. Stick with it. Don't Chudzinski him and fire him immediately. You know, make the right hire and stick by your guns and give them a couple years to actually succeed. I mean, that's the key. I like the use of Chudzinski there. As a... He was our tight end coach yeah. when I was there. Chud's a good guy, and he was really, really impressive. I kind of thought he got the short end of the stick. Yeah, I, almost every coach gets the short end of the stick after one year because it takes yeah, time. Right. And you see it with a lot of teams that get good. It's not always the first year when that happens, so... Um, I have two little nuggets here to wrap up the show, if that's okay with you. Absolutely. We talked about Josh McDaniels, and there's two things I just tweeted in the last hour that I found interesting from the teams that just got knocked off. And these were a little shocking to me, just you know, in a one-sentence form. Every time the Patriots allowed 17 or more points this year, they lost. It's wow. not the most ringing endorsement for McDaniel, but <laughs> no. 17 is not a lot to allow. I no. mean, you lose that, you allow 17 and you lose every time. That's horrible. 17 is usually the number that you look at to say, we can allow 17 and win this game. If we only allow right. 17, we're going to win this football game. So that's a really bad statistic. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I read one a little while ago that 
teams over the last five years, if you score 25 or more, you win like 76% of your game. I mean, just to give you an idea of how imbalanced that is, but just allowing 17, you lose every time this year, including the playoffs, pretty horrible. Um, And then here's another one too, that Michael Thomas, this is startling to me. Michael Thomas had 119 more catches than any other Saints wide receiver this year. (laughs) 119. That is insane. That has to be a record, obviously, right? Unreal. That is an unreal number. Don't know if it speaks to Breeze, Peyton, the offense, how great Michael Thomas is, the lack of talent elsewhere, but that's not a good thing. Right. I mean, how does that happen? I mean, I know he's awesome. That's great for him. Says a lot of things. I mean, he's amazing. But 119 more than the second wide receiver? Come on, man. Wow, that's crazy. You know, the Josh McDaniels hire too is interesting because you've got to really make sure I would interview him multiple times having meet with different people I would go deep into investigating him and his background and what it's been like for him in the last a few years in New England because he obviously didn't make the transition to head coach for two years in Denver then he had the job in Indianapolis hired assistants and then bailed on that job that's one of the worst things i've seen because these assistants were moving their families and and, and ready to yeah. do i mean that that that's a bad move there so you still have to i mean josh mcdaniels his name carries some weight but you've got to do some work on him so even if mcdaniels is your guy you still might want to take some time there i thought he might get blackballed after that i mean that is leaving an owner in a town in a, in a city out to dry when you have one of 32 jobs i mean pretty bad All right, tomorrow we've got Jay Soderberg, Pod Vader, joining the podcast. We'll talk Patriots and more. And then Thursday, Tyler Rowland of Locked on Titans. And, of course, we will get into the divisional round of the playoffs, making our picks right here, Locked on NFL.